What if all you needed to get better in every way was available at the touch of a hand or the sound of a voice or even a vibration? Let's talk about how that happens, who can do it, and where to find them. I'm John Webster, and this is The Hesitant Healer. Greetings, listeners. Just a piece of heads-up information. We do not always put out our podcasts in the correct order. Sometimes they get split up. So if there's a bit of a confusion, we apologize. Enjoy the rest of the show. Greetings and welcome to the Hesitant Healer. We're here with uh, Lisa Kay. Say hi, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. <laughs> we have a super special guest today and uh, we're, we're learning about podcasting more and more by the minute. Uh <laughs> I, I reached out to this person because she had the most interesting blog, and I kind of follow it, and when it pops up, I have to read stuff, and it's an area, it's one of my favorite areas in the whole world, and <laughs> and yet I know very little about it. This is April Davis from the Vagina Blog. That's me. Say hi. Hi. Vaginas are one of my favorite things. I, I I have heard that, yes. But I know nothing about them. It turns out after reading, after listening and, and reading your your Instagram post, it's like I don't know shit. I really don't. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about you, April. Where'd you come from? How'd you get here? Oh, that's a long story. Are you shoot? You want to go that far? We got time. Go. Okay. <laughs> so I'm April Davis. I decided to start this platform about five and a half years ago. Um, I have a diverse background in um, emergency medicine, digital motion picture production and digital media. Um, And I worked as a birth assistant to a nurse midwife and as a doula for five years. And so between having some medical background and then also working uh, quite a bit in childbirth as it was nice too, because I worked as a photographer. So it gave me a really unique experience. I was able to work with a nurse midwife doing home deliveries and birth center deliveries, work as a doula in and out of the hospital, assisting people in labor, and then work as a photographer, just as a fly on the wall, observing some of our birth practices, especially like they, the doctors and, and care providers didn't always know that I knew anything. Right. So it was just interesting to observe birth as it unfolded without the protection of a doula. Right. So, um, so I, I really got to see what was going on in our healthcare systems around female body health. That was a little eye-opening, huh? Yes. And disturbing, truly, truly disturbing yeah. and sad to see how mistreated and some, some of the terrible things are happening and also all of the amazing, beautiful stuff too. Like it's not all bad, but um, really frustrating. And when you start hanging out with birth workers, you know, you get into all the fertility stuff and you talk about all the different menstrual products and you like, there's so much there. Um, I also have always been, uh, uh, I don't even know. I've had a lot of natural curiosity around sex intercourse and health that way. Mm -hmm. And so I think, that was mixed in with it as well. So when I kind of had to retire uh, six years ago from birth work, I was like, what do I even do with all this information that I have? Right. Um, so that's when I started this platform. I, I just thought if I can reach everybody, I can save the vaginas. 
Oh, that's the, no. that was the you plan. need you need a button and a sticker, right? That's- yeah, truly, <laughs> truly. I just I think my mission really ultimately is to fix the maternal mortality rate in the United States. Like that's the big plan. Nice. But in the meantime, if we could get everyone to stop faking orgasms and stop using tampons and start loving their bodies, I feel like I'll take that too. Right. I've I've learned in the in the work that I do that there's there's. You know, there's still a taboo around it for sure. Oh yeah, it's still a thing that that not a lot of people like to talk about. Um, uh, status quo, although it's it's coming up uh, a lot more in the everyday. But like, you mentioned tampons, right? Versus like the cup. And as a guy, I'm like, let me cover my eyes and my ears. <laughs> I don't want to talk about a cup full of blood that, that's coming out of that. Um, but it's a thing that needs to be talked about. And I, I'm primarily, my my clientele is women. It's a thing we have to talk about, right? Yeah. And and a certain amount of them are coming in with uh, cyclical problems or there are health-related issues to the cycle, mm-hmm. the, the endocrine system for sure. And, and one of the most interesting ones that I've found that I've only had one person get even close to what the possibility of what the problem might be is... Um, for years, I've found that the the right ovary is directly related to migraines, and and uh, I couldn't find anybody. In fact, the person that I finally got to was the secretary for an OB, and she knew exactly what that was, right? Hmm. But yeah. the you got these women walking around with these migraines that are related to their cycles, and and that's the head. And that's the the ovaries, and those are two different doctors in two different parts of the hospital that nobody talks about. Right. So it's it's nice to see somebody like you just throw it out there with some humor and some. Uh, there's no shame to it, and 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 let's just let's talk about it. It's a body part, you know. While I was talking, thinking about you and coming up to this, it's like you know they don't even have a male version of you. Ain't ain't no penis uh, blogger out there, you know. <laughs> Nobody's talking about the prostate. It's same thing though, you know. I mean, we just want to put the blinders on, and nobody wants to talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Um, I was just reading um, uh, one that you put on your Instagram about uh, honoring your cycle, which to me was eye opening. Now, my I am past the days of my cycle. You graduated. Um, Yes, I, yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's a nice way to put it. Thank you. Because it doesn't sound like, oh my God, you're postmenopausal, which just sounds, doesn't that sound like, you know, get me a rocking chair and I'll put the shawl on. Yeah, no, that's terrible. You're with Grandmother Moon now, dude. You get to be a crone. You uh, made it. I love like, it. Come on. That's the goal. It is. It is, right? But I so appreciated what you had to say about instead of, because gosh darn it, and when I was in my 20s and my 30s, I was push, 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 push. It was very masculine. It was um, achieve, 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 and every minute had to be filled. And I had three babies in three and a half years. So I did that and I worked and I did, the, you, you know, right, the whole thing. Oh, yeah. So when you talked about... Um, there's a time in your cycle where that's really appropriate. And then there's a time in your cycle where you need to rest, that our bodies were built this way. And I, I was just, I, I wanted to, st- honestly, I was I was in bed last night when I was reading this, and I wanted to stand up and like give you a standing O right there. Because um, <laughs> I thought, oh my God, this is something that no one is talking about ever. So... 
Good on you. Thank you for that information. Yeah. The other thing that um, I wanted to ask you about is um, just recently, last two weeks, a very healthy uh, U.S. track star, uh, Tori, uh, I believe it's Tori Hunter, I'm probably wrong about her name, died in childbirth. And she was like the picture of health. And it's just tragic when we look at the numbers. Um we are uh, an industrialized nation, and we are not at the top of uh, maternal health at all. And to me, that is tragic. Really- we are now seeing, so right now, it is more dangerous to have a baby than when I was born. Wow. Is that right? That's crazy. It's real bad. We are number one in cost for healthcare, and it's safer to have a baby in Cuba. Wow. Oh my goodness. I think we're wow. ranking 30 th- or 33rd right now. It might be worse. It gets, it gets a little worse every year and that goes up um, exponentially for people of color. Right. I have a colleague, a colleague in England. We do, we do dissection classes and uh, he, uh, you get him started on the American healthcare system and birthing, especially and and uh, C sections, and he's like, you know what they do in England when she doesn't have her baby on time? We're like, what? He says they send her home because it's because it's coming. You don't need to cut it open, you know. And and it's and that's just one thing. Every single other industrialized nation, when birth moved into the hospital, the midwives went with them, and women were still taken care of by women. Right here in the United States. The American Medical Association saw a real huge opportunity for a lot of money. So we prioritized capitalism over good health care right. and said, we're going to cut ties. We're going to keep families out of the hospital. Right. We are going to corner women by themselves and we're just going to experiment on them medically. And we're going to make childbirth because it's so routine and everyone's having babies. This is a great way to make a ton of money as a doctor. So we're going to medicalize it and we're going to run a whole bunch of propaganda against midwifery. Right. Which, I mean, you guys, it's still there, right? When you say midwife, that can be a divisive term here in the United right. States for people. They're like, oh, midwives. I mean, it has just been in the last 20, 30 years that we've seen a certified nurse midwife, like, right. work in hospital. Right. Like, like, that's a new certification. And it is devastating that we did that. So we put, we put childbirth in the wrong hands a long time ago, and we've right. only seen harm because of it. Right. And it's an embarrassment for me. Like I feel embarrassed as an American that that's what we did. And I also am enraged because I'm like, even though we're coming from a very patriarchal system, like where were the husbands and the men in that saying like, uh, right. No, stop. This is not, you know, this this is not okay. Right. You know, I've been watching, uh, I've gone back and been, been watching because I've never seen it. Mad Men, which takes place like 1960, 1961. (laughs) There it is right there. Right. Yes. You know what? It's so funny you said that. So my mother, uh, my birth story, because, you know, we all have a birth story that's gotten told. It becomes part of our legend, really. Um, And my mom told me she was asleep when I was born, just totally. And like woke up three hours later and there I was. Yeah. Yeah. So there was no participation. Knock you out of your mind, tie you up because you were still co- like there, but not coherent. Right. And then just do an episiotomy and yank the kid out of you. Right. I mean, you talk about the collective trauma right. that female bodies have suffered in this country and exactly. what like 
Not only that, but there was a very long run where they, where they convinced everybody that formula was better than breast milk. Right. And that they needed to just never breastfeed and only formula feed. Because once again, there was so much money in it. Exactly. So we now have grandmothers who have never breastfed think it's weird that you're like that this generation's breastfeeding right. didn't, weren't awake to, to deliver their babies. So they're really like, all of this is so foreign. And mm-hmm. I want to make sure that I'm really clear. I'm in the camp of fed is best, right? Right. But the oh. idea that formula is superior to breast milk no. you know, prevalent uh, for quite a, a period of time is so bizarre. Right. But you yeah. have to think like they're finding that, you know, even in the first hour or two after giving birth, those, those bonding moments are very, very important for Huge. healthy development, right? And bonding and attachments. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have that because you've been cut out of your mom and she's out. Right. You know what I right. mean? And right. so like, what does that do to attachment? I, I'm not surprised that we're seeing the anxiety rates that we are. Absolutely. That we are. Yeah. Like I just barely did a, an Instagram post about John Watson. Uh-huh. So I just finished my bachelor's in psychology. So I got to study all the fun old white guys that ruined right. a lot of things <laughs> in the world of psychology. He, he, by the way, is one of my favorites. It'd be, so. it'd be a good name for the book. Fun, <laughs> fun old white guys. He kills me. This is this was a young man who had never had any children who told mothers that they should treat their kids as if they were adults, not show them any affection. That, that if you did, you were spoiling them. Right. He was the one that was like, let babies just cry, just leave them alone. Don't, don't, don't snuggle them, don't nurture them, don't do any of these things. It creates he went on to have huge problems with his own children because right. of this. No. The damage is done. Shocking. Shocking. Right. But still to this day, when I have my first baby, I got told over, oh, you're spoiling that child. You shouldn't nurse on demand. Why are you even nursing? What are you, what's you, you're going to spoil this baby. You're spoiling. She's manipulating you. And I was like, I don't believe you. All of my instincts are saying the exact opposite. And I'm going to go ahead and trust those. So I think so much of my mission is to get us back to instincts. Right. It's to like teach, especially women. It's time to start trusting those instincts because they're actually good. I right. love that. I love that. Yeah. I love that so you much. You know, I've I've long believed too. I, uh, I do craniosacral therapy, and and in Upledger, Doctor Upledger talks a lot about um, the birthing process. I, I've I've long believed that coming out of that canal is sets us a, a, a series of triggers and switches that turn things turns things on in the body it does you know he's got yeah, really- even as simple as squeezing all of the moisture liquid out of your lungs. It compresses right. yep. everything, and then you come out. You take that first breath. Your lungs have been so that's that's something they run into the babies that go through C sections. Is sometimes their lungs don't clear out for a minute. Right, exactly. And all the things that I, now that they have years and years of stats to look at, all the things that happen to kids of C sections versus vaginal versus vaginal births, absolutely. Well, there's the other side of that too that we happen to see a lot. Um, John is a medical massage therapist, and uh, let, let's just jump into scars really quickly. Oh, um, C-section scars. C-section scars and episiotomies. Because, you know, at, at that moment when you are, first of all, stressed and worried about the baby and really not focusing on yourself or what the best uh, route is, perhaps, um, as women, we tend to go, okay, right? And so then you get to be uh, older and uh, that I, I didn't have C-sections, but I did have three episiotomies. And now I have, I have scar on top of scar on top of scar, 
and it's you know scars are not static they change and they bind and eventually that affects absolutely everything and um, 30 years later right right? and so no nobody's thinking i can't tell you how many c-section moms have come in and when i go uh that's why you got a back problem they're like what Right. And I and you can tell, I'm sure you've seen it as well. You can tell how good the doctor was based on that scar, too. And and well, and on top of it, they went through a lazy couple of years where they did. Um, they, they now are required to do double closures. They used to try to close both at the same time. So they would stitch uterus and skin and everything all together in one. In one neat little that's, package. That's news to me. That make that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. How lazy do you have to be to not do a double closure you right. get you get these almost one inch dips of yeah that totally makes sense i want to be so careful here because sometimes c-sections are so necessary and are oh, so right. cool for this Absolutely. right like it is such a huge blessing that we have this technology exactly. to live through a delivery that a yes. hundred years ago right. you would have died or lost your child um Correct. so that what this is a piece of technology that's being overused. Schedu- scheduling because it's convenient for you right. is not the way to go, no, in my opinion. It's it's being overused. And yeah. what's sad, too, is the inductions are, are what's really... It's not the scheduling so much that I see. It's the inductions. Right. Their doctor schedules them for induction, puts them through a roller coaster of misery, and then does a C-section while standing up proudly and saying, we saved the baby. Yeah, right. Look at me. I'm yeah. the hero. Yes. So devastating. So that that's what's so hard. I, I look at people who after their first baby are fully traumatized from their experience. And then also they have this layer of shame because they had a C-section. And I'm like, this is not a way to start out motherhood and no, parenthood. It's not. This no. is just not it. you know. And it aggravates me that our medical system is pushing this. But on their end... We have a huge shortage of care providers in the obstetrics space. Exactly. And so because of that, we have a whole bunch of overscheduled doctors. Correct. Students who are overworked and doing too much. And on top of it, they have huge loans they have to pay off too. Right. So right. what other choice do they have then to be overworked? Exactly. Our system is at the brink of complete failure. And I'm really, really curious to see what the next decade holds because of this. It 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 because uh, yeah after after the whole COVID thing they're they're leaving in droves too because nobody wants to do it anymore yeah. right. right and I don't blame them because I, I something that has been a continual problem is oftentimes especially when we talk about C sections we blame the women you're right. scheduling it no their doctor's telling them yeah come in for an induction I want you to do this induction it's going to be right. easier for me because I can schedule you right. and then the induction fails whose fault is that right it's the right. doctor right. Exactly. The doctor's being pressured to do that because they're part of a broken system. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And it's all scheduled out on a little calendar, you know, and that's, Lord knows, babies do not come on a calendar right. <laughs> ever. So, yeah, it is It is tragically broken. Um, I, f- coming from my perspective, I think... Um, when I was young, we certainly didn't have the kind of information, thank goodness, that people like you and others offer to younger women now. Um, 
our introduction literally was fifth grade in a classroom uh, with an hour-long movie. And then I have a very, very, very clear memory of this. My um, my fifth grade teacher, they put all three fifth grade classes of girls in one room and we watched that for an hour. And as we're ready to leave, they all said, don't tell the boys, right? Like like it was this big mystery and That is shameful. still happening today. I've taught maturation. That's exactly how this still goes down. I don't understand it. I, it Everyone it, should know about all the different parts and pieces. There is right? nothing harmful about boys knowing that girls menstruate. It does not harm them. It does right. not cause any issues. Right. Uh, it's it's even more confusing so protective today. of this information. This should not be a secret. No. Right, exactly. You know, um, and and so it it gets instilled this shame not only about um, periods but about your body. Um, oh, we, totally. We were taught it was a secret, and because it is, you know, our reproductive organs for the most part are hidden versus men's that are you know out there. Um, Constantly. <laughs> so. We have Audis, you have Innies. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So I think there's this mystery and this uh, a, a bit of shame, perhaps. And so when I go on Instagram and I watch you just talking about it, just like, you know, talking about, um, you know, hairdos or, you know, what it, it just like it's a normal, regular thing is so refreshing and amazing. And so again, thank you for the work you're doing because it is so important. I totally agree. It's really sad to me because as I've taught maturation and I'm actually, I'm helping out with a curriculum right now for it, um, which is oh, really nice. exciting. But when boys go into maturation, it is super exciting. Everything's going to get bigger, hairier, stronger, right. sweatier, these are all awesome, super cool things, right? Right. Girls go in, you're going to bleed. Hide it, suppress it, don't right. tell anyone. You're going to get boobs, put them away. You're going right. to get hairy, get rid of the hair. You're right. going to get taller, don't get too tall. Right. Don't get too big, don't get too strong. Mm -hmm. Like it is so damaging to little 12 year old psyches to have all of this weight suddenly dumped on you of like all of these very inconvenient things are about to happen to you and we right. need you to hide them and get rid of them as much as possible. Right. Meanwhile, the boys are like, this is the best news of my life. <laughs> this is so Finally. cool. <laughs> I'm, I really want to continue to break that. And that's a lot of the reason that I want to do what I'm doing because my thought process is if I can reach the parents right now on social media, right. and if I can continue to be invited into places where I get to teach maturation, and, and I'm like I said, I'm helping put together a curriculum that we're really hoping goes goes bigger. If I can help with that, if we can hand 12-year-old girls their, their own body autonomy, right? Empower them and all of it and make them less scared of their own anatomy and make it like not a thing. Right. And say, hey, there's actually a ton of superpowers hidden in your menstrual cycle that you can utilize. And it's awesome. If we can give them that, when they go into their doctor with ailments, they're not going to buy it when the doctor's like, oh, you actually just fix everything with birth control. Every single ailment that there right. is for a female body, you just take birth control and then you don't do it anymore. Right. That's garbage. That's not a thing. So right. they're going to say, no, I don't think so. Let's actually get to the root cause of my problems and fix them. Exactly. And ideally, if they're empowered through that process, by the time they're having a baby, and right. their doctor tries to pull the, let's just induce you. They're going to say, no, mm -mm, mm -mm. no. And then our maternal mortality rate is going to change. I so agree. I'm playing the long game. 
I love it. That's nice. I love it. Nice. I love it. And and you are a mom. Yes, I have three. Aw. And how old are yours? That's I have a 13-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 6-year-old. Oh, my gosh. You're in it. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> those are fun years. Those are great years. I loved those years. Yeah. Um, uh, the other thing that is really interesting is I can remember, because I had a daughter and then two boys, and I remember as my daughter got to be 11, 12, 13, uh, the message I got as a mom is, oh, you know, oh, watch out, because, oh, my gosh, she's just going to be a mess. And that kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? It, it um, Instead of uh, encouraging moms and daughters to be in it together, you yeah. are, we are encouraged to go, oh, you know, um, she's going to be a mess, and you're going to be a mess, and, oh, my God, it's going to be horrible. Um and that was actually, that's kind of what happened because that's what my expectation was. You know, um, you're going to be crabby and by gosh, we're not going to put up with that, you know, kind of thing. And it set up years of uh, uh, just emotionally how my daughter and I couldn't connect because of uh, things that happened way back then. Now, let me, it, it is so much better and it's awesome now. She is uh, in her 30s and we talk every day and um, I have a wonderful grand puppy that uh, I talk to every night. <laughs> so, um, uh, and it's a great relationship, but it certainly had to come over a big hurdle. Um, to get there. And and I look all the way back to that's where it was. You know, I was taught to expect this to be messy and ugly. And there it was. It really, really was. So is there a, is there a theming messagey kind of thing that you that you start with there? I love the swimming pool analogy. So there's a really excellent book called Untangled. Um, it talks a lot about the kind of some of the neuroscience behind why they're acting the way that the way that they are, right? Because teenagehood, so many of the things that teenagers do and and why and how and everything, as from a psychology standpoint, if you analyze that and you were diagnosing that in an adult, it really you would see them as very mentally unhealthy and unstable, right? right. But because they're teenagers, it's they're on a different scale almost. They really are going to be swinging all over the place, right. and it's not you know everyone's oh it's the hormones. It's actually really not necessarily the hormones. It's everything that's changing and developing in the brain. Oh wow! So that's that's what's wild. There's a biological process that causes them to want to reject and rebel against their parents. It's right. a good thing. It's so that they will leave the nest. Exactly. So you have to lovingly allow them to, to muddle through that. And there's so many things that we have so much patience for in toddlers that we right. do not have patience for in teenagers, even though really this is their second toddlerhood. It, you know, uh, if, yeah. if totally, if your toddler uh, knows how to tie their shoes, but can't remember to shut the door, like you're not going to be like, look, you know how to tie your shoes. You should you should shut the door every single time. You right. shrug and go like toddlers be toddlers. Right. So the same as teenagers are going through that development and they're figuring stuff out. Mm-hmm. But the swimming pool analogy, analogy coming back to that, I, I think is the most accurate. They want to learn how to swim. They are out there. They're trying to swim. They get tired because swimming is hard and they uh-huh. come to the edge of the pool. And we're the edge of the pool as parents, right? Uh-huh. They're going to come for respite. They're going to come to take a break. They're going to they're going to come for reassurance that like they can keep swimming, and then they're going to push off and go right back to swimming. 
I love that so much. So if you can sit back and just be like, I'm the side of the wall when yeah. they love me and they're here for respite, I'm going to enjoy it. When they push right. off and they kick me in the gut, it's part of it. It's just going to be just a- part of learning how to swim by yourself. And right. so that's just my role right now as a parent right? because they are erratic. It yes. is ups and downs and highs and lows and figuring life out. There's right. mistakes that are going to be made. There's mean words that are going to be said. I mean, there's just so much and it's a lot, you know, I'm definitely in the deep end of this myself right now. And <laughs> <laughs> literally, yeah. I've had to just be like, you really can't hold a grudge just like you couldn't hold a grudge against your toddlers. Right. You have to just keep letting it go. You got to stay in goldfish mindset and just be like, we're going to do today. And that's yep. all. Yep. And sometimes it's, we're going to do this hour and, that's <laughs> and, and then we'll talk about the next hour. Maybe, you know, yeah. I'm going to keep a loving and forgiving heart as much as I can because wow. Yes. Yes. So what is one message that you would like to give to women in especially, but, but women and men um, about women's health? Quit faking orgasms. Ah, I love it. That's a good one. Yeah, it's an interesting thing because it solves a lot of problems. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of messages that the establishment has told you to do. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, And and it's not all about that. Um, You know, it it, the connection and the love and the uh, intimacy has nothing to do with having an orgasm. It really exactly right. So it it requires you to understand your body, your bodily anatomy and to take ownership of your sexuality requires you to communicate with your partner or partners and advocate for yourself. Right. And it also strengthens those relationships because you shouldn't be lying to a partner in that way. Not okay. So not faking orgasm calls out a lot of areas. I all like at that. Once. Well, and from the male perspective, why is it so damn important? Right? Like, I, 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 I haven't done my job if you haven't had an orgasm. Is not necessarily the case. But, but at the same time, like, can you as a male partner be humble enough to just be like, oh, man, what can I do to help you? Exactly. Thank you for letting me know. Let's right. let's see what we do to work through this because obviously we don't want we don't want intimacy to be goal oriented. We want to be pleasure oriented, right? We're just seeking right. pleasure. But at the same time, I I think you shouldn't be faking just so your partner feels good about themselves. No, you should let them know, like, hey, I didn't get there. Maybe if we tried doing some more of this, this or this, this is right. kind of more of what I like. This is, I mean, it, it leads down a path of strengthening your relationship, of honesty, of once again knowing your own. It it causes people to have to take ownership of their own. Um, sexuality of their own orgasms because I like really at the end of the day, like, yes, is your partner participating in helping you have an orgasm? Yes. But should they be the ones that take ownership fully of that? No, that's not their job. That's your job. You should right. say something. You should help, you know, shift things into different. And you also need to be talking about your sex life with your partner. Right. Exactly. Because that's a huge part of just communication in general for your relationship it's only going to make it better so what do you say to somebody who can't get out of her head um what's got your brakes on yeah so because we we often talk about like libido right we all have a libido right um oftentimes our gas pedal is not the problem it's the brakes run so what are your brakes 
Is it that it's the middle of the day and the kids are right outside the door? Right. Is it that you just can't chill until the dishes are done and the house is put together? Is it that your to-do list is too long because you said yes to too many things? Like I've told a lot of people, you want to have a better sex life? Start saying no. Ah, that's a good one. I don't have time to do that thing. I want to have an orgasm later. (laughs) You know, if more people use that sentence right there, I think the world would be a better place. It would. Yeah. <laughs> there truly was. Once again, you can see how not faking orgasms. Right. See how that now extends into every area of like your life. It really does. But you know, one of our main um, uh, emphasis is that, um, especially physically, um, the body is one. Right. We are mind, body, spirit, and and the minute that uh, medicine and psychology and even um, spirituality, the minute we separated all three of them, we we became less. Huge disservice. Right, exactly. And so really, it, it speaks to that. It, it's all one big thing, right? Um, that our sexuality is connected to our communication skills, is connected to how we run our lives, how uh, to what we put first, second, and third, and, and how, where we put ourselves, even. Um, it's just such an important message that um, in this this age of everything split, like um, if if you have a sore thumb, you're going to go to the sore thumb specialist. You're not going to go see someone who goes, gosh, how do you hold your shoulder? And where where, where do you um, put your hands when you're driving? And all of those, nobody's going to say that. They're going to say, gosh, how can we cut this or give you a pill to make it better? Functional anatomy. Exactly. And um, I think that just speaks to that whole thing. Um, as, as people, uh, we are sexual and we are communicative. And all of those things need to all flow together to make um, our lives better, I think. Yeah. Oh, amen. Thank you. You, my dear, are fascinating. Um, if people want to get a hold of you, um, what's the best way? You know, I, I definitely live on Instagram. That's for okay. sure. So okay. I'm at the vagina blog on Instagram. Um, I do have a website. So I have some educational tools on my website that people can purchase that are super fun. Um, I have some courses on there. I have a journal that I've created to help people learn how to live cyclically with their menstrual cycle. I also have a vulva plushie with a, that's the full VCVC complex. So it has a separate like clitoris. So you can Mm -hmm. actually see the full anatomy of the clitoris within the anatomy of the vulva. Um, It's pretty cool. So yeah, Instagram. I I mean, I'm, I'm on all the different platforms, but that's definitely where I live. Okay, cool. Well, we cannot thank you enough. That was wonderful. And thanks for hanging in there with our few technical difficulties this morning. No problem. Thanks for having me. Oh, of course. I, I, I think this may be the first of a few times that we get a hold of you because there's, there's a lot of things involved with this part of the body. There are. There are. So thank you so much, April. And uh, we hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you. That was fascinating. And uh, she is a, a wealth of information. We're, we're definitely going to have to get her on because I got so many more questions I need to ask. And we just kind of went down the rabbit hole with birth, which which I think needed to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always uh, uh, keen to tie in the healing aspect. I think this one speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but women's health in general is uh, it's a thing that needs to be talked about and brought up and and 
and I think you brought up some really valid points about that uh, of how we're taught and how we're trained. And so mm-hmm. I think the overwhelming message here from me and the client base that I have is let's let's talk about the icky. Let's teach our daughters. Let's right. teach our, our our spouses and our right. and our partners. Um, how to treat the vajayjay, right? <laughs> and and that it's that it's not an icky thing, and that right. that this is just the body part. Well, it's not mysterious. It doesn't need to be mysterious. Um, no, but I mean, look at look at the history of you know, right? Like I go back to that mad. I'm watching Mad Men, and it's like, holy crap! This is this is where we came from, right? This is what it looks like. No, we didn't even talk about. Let's add religion into this, right? Correct. Or let's let's add. Um, horrific circumstances and trauma and Mm -hmm. and all of those things that go with it i mean there's a lot of things that go with this but i'm glad we got to the bottom of that i appreciate you listener uh for hanging out and putting up with us on this one uh some important stuff right yeah we always want to talk about the important stuff so that's all we got for today uh thank you don't forget we have a dissection class i would love for you to reach out uh we're taking uh down payments for that now Mm -hmm. you can get a hold of us on our message machine at 909-557-4415. Drop us a line or leave us a message. You can also find us on Facebook and or Instagram at The Hesitant Healer. Mm-hmm. We look forward to hearing from you. If you're uh, in town or you're a client, I have uh, refrigerator magnets for you if you want to come in and get one of those. As a special parting gift. special super parting gift. And uh, Lisa Kay, you got any parting words about... Uh, Anything, including vaginas? Uh, <laughs> no, I have uh, one. Um, uh, I guess I, if if you would like to reach out to us, because we do have people who are listening in other countries, you can always use WhatsApp as well. So it would be 1-909-557-4415. And uh, you got an idea that you'd like us to talk about? We'd love to hear it. Um, if you have some encouragement, or if even if you want to call um, call and say, hey, you know what, I think you kind of missed the mark on that one. We'd like to, to get your uh, feedback. So Yeah, please talk to Lisa about that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my job so um be good humans and have a great day all right y'all peace out